Tango Tango Papa 2125, December 31st, 2022. Have we seen the actual reality of a monstrous crime? Or merely an illusion, the product of a tortured brain? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Tom Wiles here with you coming to you from home. So it's been uh, actually a bit, maybe two or three days past a month since the uh, last podcast. Uh, It looks like I recorded that on uh, November the 25th, so... uh, or a few days past a month. So, <clears throat> in any case, I've been on uh, vacation. I think my vacation started the uh, 15th of December. And so I uh, sp- spent the bulk of that down in uh, South Texas with my uh, parents. I was down there, I think I spent, uh, well, it was about two weeks, a total of two weeks, if you count. Uh, Driving down, I spent the night, uh, didn't drive all the way down there, uh, all in one gulp. Uh, so I spent the night, I think, or what was it, Giddings, Texas, I spent the night, and then uh, spent 13 nights in the motel down there, uh, you know, and I spent the bulk of the time with my parents, uh, they, the, they're in an RV park, and so uh, their park model uh, RV, which is basically a small trailer, has one bedroom, and you know, and I'm not going to sleep in a recliner. So I usually, whenever I go down there, I always uh, rent a motel for <clears throat> you know approximately two weeks, and uh, so that's what I did, and. Uh, so I get up in the morning and then drive uh, is about 10 miles to where they were at and hang out uh, until around 10 o'clock at night and then drive back to the motel and, you know, kind of rinse and repeat. So uh, I made it back. I left there, uh, let's see, Wednesday, early, early Wednesday morning. I left there about 4.45 a.m. this past Wednesday. And I drove all the way back, you know, kind of all in one gulp. And so I made it home. It was about 6.45 p.m. when I made it home. And uh, so I've been home since then. I go back to work on uh, January the uh, 4th. So that's this coming Wednesday. I came back, you know, I didn't want to come back at the very last minute and then try to have to go, you know, get around and go to work. It's kind of easier to allow myself a bit of time to, you know, kind of mess around a little bit. So uh, during this past month, uh, let's see, I guess one of the more eventful things that happened, I uh, had to get, it was time to get the uh, truck this was before I started my vacation. It was time about a week before 
time to get the truck worked on. Uh, you know, they needed uh, needed to do a B service. That was the main thing. B service, of course, is an oil change. So I was at the uh, Wilmer, Texas, our Wilmer, Texas, Dallas, you know, it's a Dallas area terminal, company terminal. So they did the oil change, and uh, the bunk heater needed to be serviced. And so uh, they did that. Finally, you know, I, of course, I was, you know, they were busy, and, you know, that killed a, a couple of days. They did that. And then, but then they said, well, we got our part done. And, but in the meantime, there were five recalls from Freightliner that needed to be fixed. You know, and I think, I don't know, they read the list to me. There was a variety of things. I think the most important thing had to do something with uh, tie rod on the steering had to be replaced. That was a recalled item. And so they have the Freightliner guy. You know, this Freightliner guy comes, you know, he doesn't actually work for our company, but he spends a great deal of time since we have lots of Freightliners. He spends, I think, probably most or if not all of his working time at our shop and uh you know and that's the case in not only uh the shop in dallas but you know there in other others other our other shops i think the same thing happens where these freightliner people come in and uh, do the freightliner work the you know for the warranty stuff or recalls stuff like that so you know it was a whole day, nothing happened, and then uh, then he finally, he started, it was on a Friday, he finally started working on it, and so uh, he said, I'll get it done by this evening. Well, that never happened. He never finished it, and then, uh, of course, that was on Friday, I think that was on a Friday. Yeah, I, I believe that was on a Friday. He, he, it never, he, you know, he did all, you know, the bulk of the work on Friday. That never really happened, and then uh, never got it finished. He said, I'll be in over the weekend. Well, he didn't come in over the week. I wish he would have just told me the truth instead of, you know, stringing me along. I don't know if he thought I was going to have some sort of a big emotional reaction or whatever, which some drivers would, uh, you know, so... But anyway, he lied to me and he told me he'd, you know, he'd, but of course he didn't come in over the weekend. And so uh, the load, in the meantime, they had, they gave me, you know, since I was there for the better, almost a week uh, from the time I got there to the, you know, the end of it, they, you know, I had this loaner truck and they had me picking loads up and bringing them back to the, the yard there at Wilmer, Texas. And uh, so I did some of that, and then, uh, but I had this load, you know, because he promised me he's going to have it done. Well, then in the meantime, they dispatched this load uh, that was going to, you know, we have a small yard in Tulsa, and you know, so take the trailer to Tulsa and then drop it, and then bobtail home. Well, I ended up having to do it with a loaner truck, and uh, so. You know, which was fine, except I, in the meantime, I moved all of my stuff out of my truck, my regular truck, into this loaner truck because, you know, you don't, I don't want to leave my stuff in the truck, uh, even though it would probably be okay, but, 
you never know what's going to happen. You know, would I even get that, uh, my regular truck back? You know, so I moved everything, you know, which is a real pain because I, you know, of course I have too much stuff, which I'm going to be pairing that back. But uh, in any case, uh, you know, uh, dropped the trailer in Tulsa, bobtailed home, started my vacation. And in the meantime, I, I talked to one of the, you know, the, one of the people and they uh, decided uh, it would be better if I, you know, kind of moved back into my own truck. But in the meantime, I had this loaner truck at my house. So they determined, well, we'll send someone from, you know, somewhere to, you know, to come and pick the truck up just, you know, remove everything from it. And so I did, I, you know, I, it was, of course it's parked in my driveway and I moved everything out of it. And, uh, you know, and then, the, so in the meantime, then the next morning I went ahead and, uh, left. That was when I started down to South Texas, uh, drove my pickup down there. And, uh, so, but in the meantime, they sent this, you know, it was a guy for a driver from Kansas city, the Kansas city terminal, and uh, I guess he came, you know, he had a rental car and he came and he figured out where my house was and then he went to the airport, you know, to return the rental car. And I guess he was able to get an Uber back out here to my house and then, you know, in the meantime, they told me to leave the key on the dipstick, and which I did. And uh, so he was able to retrieve the truck. And uh, so in the meantime, whenever I go back to work Wednesday, uh they're going to have to, you know, arrange to rent me a car, and then I've got to figure out how to uh, get from my house. Is you know, maybe Uber, or maybe I can get a relative or a friend to take me. Uh, probably get an Uber uh, to come out here to my house and pick me up, and then take me to the airport, which is quite a you know, it's a number of miles to get to the airport where all of the rental stuff is. That's probably, from my house, that's probably, uh, oh gosh, I'm guessing 25 to 30 miles <laughs> to the, you know, to where all the rental stuff is. And, uh, you know, where you can, you know, you rent the vehicle and then you drive it to another city and turn it in because all those seem to be at airports. And, uh, you know, the rental places that are located in town, uh you know, those are all local rental places, and that's, that's you know that seems to have be the rule for you know in quite a quite a few years now. So uh, that's you know I have to get a rental car, and then I'll look, come back out here to the house, load all you know what the stuff that I'm going to take, which like I say I'm going to pair that back, uh, try to really pair that back so I don't have as much junk because a lot of that stuff is just. You know, I don't ever, it's just there and it's taking up space and I'm not using it. You know, it's kind of a disaster to, you know, be carrying all that stuff around. But it's so easy to accumulate. Uh, but I'm going to pair that back and then load the stuff into the rental car and then drive to Dallas and then load the stuff in my regular truck and then, you know, go from there. So then I'll be back at work. So, uh, you know, of course, while I was down in South Texas, and this, you know, I spent, you know, I was there, um, I came back on uh, 20, 29th, I believe, 
It was the day I drove back. Uh, you know, of course, while I was there, it got cold. And, uh, you know, and of course, a big cold front came through the entire country. And, <laughs> you know, if, and if you remember, I, you know, a few months ago, I got this heat pump here in my house, okay? And, it, and initially, it seemed to work okay, but then after about a week, it uh, wasn't working okay. The outside unit wasn't working. So I was, I was able to get this HVAC guy to come out, and he messed around, you know, for a good long while, and then he finally decided, you know, check the thermostat voltage, and, you know, I've got had one of those original model of the Nest thermostats and uh, come to find out it was working initially and then it wasn't putting out the proper voltage. So it, uh, you know, even though it still appeared to work perfectly, it wasn't putting out the proper, you know, enough voltage to start that outside unit. So I had to replace the thermostat. And so as far as I knew, everything was fine. But whenever uh, the cold front came through, it got, uh, I think, the low temperature here in northwest Arkansas was like minus two. And so while I was, and of course I was down in South Texas, and I had my, you know, I had my phone here with me, and I was looking at the Nest app, and uh, I was watching that temperature here in the house drop and drop and drop and drop, and, you know, it got down into the 30s. Never did get to, you know, I think it got down as low as 35 degrees. <clears throat> so in the meantime, I was able to get my youngest brother to come out here and uh, fire up a couple of electric heaters, which, you know, let's face it, they probably didn't do a whole lot. But, uh, you know, but the same day I was able to get the, uh, another local HVAC company to come out here to my house and of course I have the remote uh, door lock so I was able to let them in the guy in and uh, he well let me back up after the Nest thermostat you know the Nest thermostat guy, you know when he determined that the one guy determined that the Nest thermostat wasn't working I replaced the Nest thermostat and I wa you know I wired it and I you know kind of followed their wiring protocol is it, is it really important to get the, the wires in the right place? So I th began to think, well, maybe I wired it wrong or whatever, but this other guy that came out that I was able to remotely let in uh, determined that uh, there was a white wire going from a thermostat to the... The thermostat was wired properly, so I wired it properly. But the white wire was going to the air handler unit was not hooked up to the uh, electric strips, the heating strips that are in the air handler, which basically makes it into an electric furnace. And that wasn't, that's auxiliary heat, and it was not coming on even though it was supposed to be. So everything it was relying, was being relied, was uh, all of the heat that was being generated was trying to come from that heat pump. And, of course, heat pumps don't work very well. You know, once you get about... Uh, let's say below <clears throat> around 27 degrees or so, the efficiency really drops off. So it was it was really struggling. So, uh, 
But in any case, he got the, he wired it up and got it working. And I was able to pay him. He sent me the bill, you know, and I was able to pay him through the phone and thought everything was fine. Of course, I continued to monitor the temperature and it started, it got back up to like 60 degrees. But then all of a sudden, uh, I lost contact with the house, meaning that the electricity was off. So I wasn't sure what was going on. Uh, there were some outages, uh, you know, in this area, not necessarily my area, but maybe close to it. So I let a few hours go by, and uh, then I was able to determine that, you know, the electricity in my area was not off. There was electricity going to my meter, but, you know, you know that told me that there was a problem, you know, so that I was able to get the, a neighbor you know, that lives about like a quarter of a mile up the road. I called him and he came down and he found a, you know, the breaker on the outside, he found a breaker that had been tripped and he flipped it and flipped it back and then everything came on and it stayed on. So uh, things warmed up and, you know, so far everything seems to be fine now. So, <laughs> but at least, you know, I'll be, uh, Obviously, keeping really close tabs, you know, because I haven't really lived with the heat pump, and you just never really know um, how something is going to behave until you're around it. And, uh, you know, so I will just, you know, I'll monitor it. And then if I have to, I can always, I've got this HVAC company that seems to know what they're doing. And, uh, if I have a problem, I can, you know, of course, I can remotely let the guy in and they can fix whatever the problem is. And, uh, and of course, I can pay him remotely as well. So, you know, at least that problem is, uh, can kind of be, is sort of solved, you know, as far as, uh, you know, you know, if, uh, something were to go wrong and we may you know we may very well have some more cold weather before this is over with but as of right now it's the past few days after i got home it's been you know like well the day i got home i think the high was 65 degrees and then today i think that it was like 59 or 60 as as far as the high and the low i think tonight's supposed to be like 47 so uh, the heat pump performs fine in that case you know, of course, I'm heating the whole house. You know, it's like a two thousand square fair, two thousand square foot house uh, with it, and so it, uh, you know, if it drops below a certain point, uh, the auxiliary heat has to kick in. You know, so I'm beginning to use some of those uh, kilowatt hour credits that I had. I was talking. I met a friend for lunch today, and of course, he's on propane. He's got a man. He's got like a four thousand square foot house, and he keeps it at sixty eight degrees. So he's you know because he, he really tries to keep the propane costs down. And he was telling me that he used he figured he used about a uh, hundred and seventy five dollars worth of propane just during you know for this heat you know this uh, cold really cold weather the cold snap. He used that much, you know, you know, about 15% of his uh, propane went for the heat, you know, for that uh, cold snap. So, 
you know, and that's that's one of the reasons I went to the heat pump because I, you know, I do have the solar panels kind of helping me, you know. So, but we'll see how it goes. But I, you know, see how many uh, of those kilowatt hour credits that I, uh, how quickly I use them up. But it really depends on how cold the weather gets, and you, you know, that's just one of those things that you uh, can't really predict. You know, it, they can predict about a week's worth, you know, with the computer models. And then after that, it just rapidly, uh, you know, it doesn't work anymore. You know, because there's just too many variables. So, but anyway, uh, so that's kind of what I've been doing uh, for the past, uh, you know, the past, uh, you know, since the 15th. And then, you know, the vacations kind of got, you know, well, today's the 31st, so we got one, two, three, three more days off, and then back to work. And I'm kind of really kind of looking forward to going back to work, uh, you know, because I really do think it's necessary to have something, you know, to some sort of a struggle, to, you know, some something to strive against. So... Uh, Anyway, I was, uh, you know, I've made myself a few notes here on my phone. Uh, let's see here. You know, one of the things I was thinking about, you know, people have this idea they want to, you know, enjoy this or enjoy that, and they believe that enjoyment... Is, you know, if they're enjoying this or they're enjoying that, whatever it is, you know, it could be something that's pleasurable. I think if it's a little bit pleasurable, then uh, maybe that's going to make them happy. And the problem is it doesn't. You know, that can't be the focus of your uh, existence. So I believe the, you know, the, the truest meaning of enjoyment really is, uh, exists in the simple appreciation of being aware. Now, if you really, uh, now when I say that, you know, some people can't stand you know, kind of being by themselves. You have people that can't stand being by themselves. You have people that have to have some sort of a distraction going all the time. You know, whether it's food or uh, other people or drinking or, you know, whatever it is, they have to have the distraction. You know, and if, if the distraction suddenly goes away or they can't have the distraction, then they're they're distressed. And it's because they haven't, you know, made friends with their conscience. Because that your conscience, you can think of conscience as a as sort of a it's an ideal. But I think it's more than an ideal. You know, you can have uh, kind of false ideals. And I think, you know, all of us probably do have false ideals, uh, you know, to varying to varying degrees kind of depending on the environment we were raised in and really how much uh, we react 
in a wrong way to that environment. How much, you know, how, how upset do we get uh, with our environment? You know, as a kid, you know, you parent, you know, it's like I've always said, you know, I believe that, uh, you know, we all end up hating our parents because we expect our, we sort of, as little kids, tend to look at their parents as if they're gods. And, of course, they're not. And uh, the parents invariably uh, fail the children in some way or other. And even if you have perfect parents, uh, the kids themselves are imperfect and uh, they're, you know, they're going to end up resenting something. But usually you resent your parents and then you won't admit it. But you resent, you know, it starts with parents, failing parents. Then it, you know, you start to resent the people around you, the school and the learning, and you resent this and resent that, and before you know it, you've got uh, you got a big mess on your hands because you have a tendency to uh, absorb the environment that you resent, whether you like it or not. That's that's the that's the rule. You become what you hate. You really do. Or, you know, so you're left with two wrong choices. Choices You either go along to get along or you try to rebel and do the opposite. But either way, you're not the person. You're not the same person that you were had you not resented in the first place. So, but... You know, so the key is to make friends with your conscience. You have to, you know, allow your conscience to catch up with you. And so, but if you can really do that, you know, be, you know, be still. There's a line in the Bible: "Be still and know that I am God." Uh, you allow, you know, because I really believe that uh, conscience in its truest sense, is God talking to us. And it's, that's going, you know, and that, if you think about it as a, as a conscious creature, the thing that we are most intimate with is our conscience. Whether you realize that or not, you know, that's really what we're, we're sort of uh, constantly uh, measuring you know, ourselves against. You know, it's kind of a poor way of putting it, but uh, we're constantly uh, you know, either making, you know, having made friends with it, or we're at war with it, you know, trying to, you know, right is wrong, wrong is right, because it's there is a, a wrong and a right, and it's not simply a subjective thing. It's not simply something you can, you think, well, I'm, you know, society programmed me to think this way or that way. Yeah, it did. Uh, to a certain extent, it did. But there, objectively, there is a right and wrong. You know, does evil exist? You know, can you admit that evil exists? That, that there is something that's just absolute evil? And if absolute evil exists, then therefore, Good must must exist because one cannot exist without the other. So, what is that good? That's the question. And I believe that uh, if you can learn to be still and allow, uh, 
you know, really what we know of as conscience, allow that to uh, catch up with you. You know, that's, you know, and not be at war with it, because if you're at war with your conscience, You've got a real problem on your hands. That's 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 one of the worst things you can do is to, especially to resent or hate your conscience. So, but as simple, if you can just simply be aware, I think that awareness in and of itself, if in the purest form, really is enjoyable. And that that you know, and that's that's kind of an you know, uh, to a certain extent, that's as, as, you know, that's a, an internal source of learning. I you know, I think that's one of the ways that we can really you know, sort of learn the difference between right and wrong is to you have to to be able to uh, listen to your conscience and not be at war with it but uh you know it it's not something that's going to really impose itself on you you can run away from it you can drive a wedge between yourself and your conscience you know and uh, try to get other people to agree with you that wrong is right and right is wrong but uh you know you're just making the problem worse so but I really do believe that, uh, in you know, the truest meaning of enjoyment is just being able to simply appreciate being aware. Because as human beings, uh, you know, having an aware, you know, a, that's the one thing that we have is aware. We're aware of our own existence. We're aware of uh, right and wrong. Another thing I was thinking about, you know, is this... Uh, politicization politicization uh, and what is what is politics you know and things are so politicized and it's simply if you think about it it's simply it's, it's really an emotional charge you know so things are you know they, things are really become emotionally charged <coughs> So while I was down with my parents, my mom was uh, watching some show, and they were talking, you know, it was like CNN or MSNBC, and uh, of course they're right there uh, supplying the emotional charges, and it was what to expect in 2023, and you know, and as soon as they said what to expect in 2023, I thought, well, what to what you can expect depends on you really when it comes down to it what you know what you can expect depends on you you know does it depend on other people no, no it, it really does depend on you you know and another thing you know uh, I don't know my parents you know, they'll sit, and especially my mom, like I say, she'll sit there and watch, you know, you know, like CNN and MSNBC, and it's just, uh, you know, she's got this, uh, you know, a, a, a kind of a leftist 
you know, and she's always had it, kind of a leftist mindset. And, you know, so it's it's kind of a narrative. You can think of it as a kind of a narrative about how the world works. And so, but that's, you reinforce your narrative, whatever your narrative is, you, you it's reinforced by, you know, all this emotionalization. And so she's really, you know, she, so they, you know, at one point, they, I don't know why, why it happened, but they were talking, they suddenly kind of, they were political and not, you know, and I'm not, I won't talk politics anymore. One way or the other, I don't care. I'm not going to talk about it. I'm just, I'm done with it. So, you know, but they were, you know, they had this thing, well, I know they were reacting to the television. You know, they had this, you know, of course, they're a little hard of hearing, so they had the television kind of cranked up. You know, with their hearing aids, and uh, but anyway, they were talking about it. You know, the oh, I guess it was Zelensky, the president of the Ukraine. You know, came to the gave a speech before the U.S. Congress, and you know, mom was saying what a great guy Zelensky is, and you know, he's uh, you know, whatever. And then they started saying, well, we're we're going to end up with World War Three, and you know, and they they were. I don't know. They were trying to get me to react, and I, you know, and I basically said, uh, "I'm not. I don't watch any of it." And you know, if a war happens, and I'll deal with it, but I'm, it's not something I'm worried about. I'm not, uh, you know, kind of worrying over every little thing, and it kind of made him mad. You know that I wasn't. Uh, sort of agreeing with, I guess, their, their uh, mindset, really, you know, and I've, I've kind of noticed that with people before, that you have to, you know, you kind of got to think the same way they do, or they're, or the, you know, and even if you don't, you know, and even if you're not arguing with them, uh, if you, you know, they'll get to the point, they're so emotionally charged, they'll get to the point where they will uh, kind of get mad if you don't agree with them or you, you know, and 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 it's not a, a, a matter of me disagreeing with them, you know, is, you know, whether Putin's wrong or Putin's right or, uh, you know, Ukraine is, uh, what happened in Ukraine is unjust or whatever, it's not a matter of that. It's just I don't, you know, I'm not going to get involved in the in the the details of it, and I'm not, uh, you know, not really. I don't care about the politics, you know, and I'm not sitting around all the time thinking Putin's evil and Ukraine is wonderful or whatever. Or Zelensky's great, you know, and. Uh, but I really think that, you know, people get narratives and I, you know, and I'm not exactly sure why, you know, there's just variation in people, I guess. But uh, some people have a tendency to, you know, kind of latch on to this narrative or that narrative. And then the narrative ends up kind of being reinforced. And so people want to push their ideology off on other people at almost any cost you know, to the point where they'll, you know, get into arguments or, you know, or start shouting or whatever, you know, and actually uh, kind of become ridiculously emotional about it. Even in the face of someone like me, I'm not, not arguing with them. You know, I don't, uh, don't care anymore. So, 
And I'm not certainly not going to become emotional about it. But it's, uh, you know, the best thing I think that you can do is just shut all of that stuff off. And I'm, I really mean turn it off and uh, especially turn off the emotions. You know, and emotions really are a kind of a form of, ins- you know, a form of insanity or they can become that. I've said this, uh, you know, a bunch of times. I, I really, you know, as human beings, we have natural emotions, okay? So we've got, we've got natural emotions. And in, in the ideal state, I believe that our emotions are sort of muted. They're not really, you know, excited one way or the other. They're just sort of muted because we need emotions in order to be able to uh, perceive the world, you know, emotions are, are a natural part of our uh, physical, you know, just being able to perceive the physical world or the mental world uh, as well. But just even being able to perceive objects, there's, you know, kind of emotions that are involved in that. You know, just being able to recognize something like a chair, you know, there's emotions involved with it from a technical aspect. So, but what we do as human beings, because we have this wrong side of our ego, we end up pumping those emotions up into something that uh, really, you know, is never intended. It's sort of like, uh, you know, we have hormones. One of the hormones we have is, of course, is insulin. And uh, every time you eat something, you know, your pancreas, you know, releases a little bit of insulin in order to help you metabolize the food and, uh, you know, kind of keep your blood sugar at the right level. But you abuse that by eating, you know, you eat a bunch of carbohydrates, you know, just overload yourself constantly on carbohydrates and uh, your pancreas has to release more and more and more insulin, you know, five times the amount of normal amount of insulin, 10 times the amount of normal insulin level. And uh, at that level, the insulin itself is uh, poisonous. It's doing damage to your body, just like the, you know, the high sugar levels do damage. The insulin level or the, you know, that's above a certain point becomes a poison. You know, and that's true with any poison. Uh, The quantity makes the poison. Because even something that's poisonous like arsenic at at a really low level, it's not poisonous. But you go beyond a certain threshold and it is poisonous. So emotions, people ramp their emotions up uh, and it, it, it really is a form of insanity. And, you know, so let's... Just say that, you know, you've got your narrative that you believe how the world works and maybe it's right, maybe it's wrong. It's probably, let's say it's wrong. It's, it's going to be wrong in some way. But it's, you've got all this emotional charge that's happening constantly and you'll do things. That's why people that, that appear to be intelligent do stupid things. And we've all been guilty of it doing stupid things and it's because our emotions are, are uh, charged up to the point where we can't read we can no longer reason reason kind of goes out the window it doesn't matter then you know facts don't matter
you know, and, and another thing, you know, that I noticed that, uh, you know, the, you know, cause she was, you know, had the CNN on or MSNBC or whichever one it was, you know, you want mischaracterize the, you know, someone else's viewpoint the you know, what they consider the opposition mischaracterize the viewpoint. And then you miss, you cement the mischaracterization by repeating, you know, the never, you know, by repeating never ending emotionalization, you know, so you just keep on and keep on and keep on. And then, of course, like I say, reason then goes out the window. And then, you know, once it goes out the window, you know, you've got that, uh, that, uh, n- you know, that false narrative that appeals to the wrong side of your ego, and it's just constantly reinforced by the emotionalization can't penetrate it forget about it you know and then that like i say that that ends up causing people to think in the wrong way and really you know can cause you to do really stupid things so this evening i was you know i was kind of uh overheard someone you know kind of a talking a little bit and uh you know and the guy said well it you know kind of depends on whether you believe in god or not and I, you know and what immediately popped into my head it's not whether you believe in god or not does god believe in you you know turn that around does god believe in you and if so how does god believe in you do you allow god to believe in you Do you allow God to believe in you? And, and, and if so, how would you allow God to believe in you? Because I think it's, obviously, it's, it's way more important for God to believe in us, you know, in, you know, or in you as an individual or as me as an individual. It's way more important for God to believe in, you know, in you as an individual <coughs> than... Uh, whether or not you believe in God or you say you believe in God and how do you how does God believe in do you allow God to believe in you and how and you know and if so how would you allow God to believe in you and it goes back to being still be still and know that I am God it really does go back to that mention it once in a while if you go to my website truckertompodcast.com up at the top, there is a link uh, that says uh, video and meditation exercise. And if you click on that, which I'm doing right now, uh, there are, let's see, one, two, well, one, two, three, four. There's four files. And uh, that will basically teach you very simple meditation technique. And uh, it's well worth investing the time to do it, uh, you know. And it, it, you know, I can't promise it's going to help everybody. I do believe that it will help the vast majority of people. But you have to want to, 
you know, you you have to want, you have to have the a real honest to God desire to, uh, you know, to to you know, you have to be genuine. In other words, and you you know, and it can't be just like a a one time thing. Yeah, you do it the first time, and you're probably going to feel better. You know, it's you're going to feel more calm, and you know, et cetera, et cetera. But you got to keep doing it. You, you know, it should be something, especially when you first start doing it. You should do it maybe a couple of times a day. Especially, it's especially important, and it doesn't have to be long. It's like ten, fifteen minutes, ten minutes. You know, if you're really serious about it, ten minutes when you first wake up, and then uh, maybe before you go to sleep. And it's just it's a simple uh, way of uh, being still and kind of you know bringing your point of awareness because we we as uh, conscious creatures have this point of awareness that's sort of only capable of being aware really of one thing at a time. You know, people think, oh, I can multitask. Well, not very well. Uh, we can only really be aware of one thing at a time. And uh, this meditation technique uh, kind of gets you out of the machinery of your brain, you know, because we get all these thoughts that are firing off all the time. And, uh, but this, you know, if you really learn to do this meditation technique, you'll pr be able to prove to yourself that you as the, as the point of awareness are not your thoughts. We think that we're our thoughts. We're not our thoughts. Uh you know, so, but that is how, you know, how are you going to, how's God, are you allowing God to believe in you? And that's how you do it. Uh, how are you going to allow that? You have to be still and allow God to uh, catch up with you. It's not, it's not forced on us. You know, God wants volunteers, not conscripts. You know, and so you have you volunteer by learning to, learning to be still. You know, it's 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 an amazing thing. You know, and you just keep keep practicing it. You know, and it's uh, you start on the journey. So, anyway, I've got uh, three uh, files from Joel. He sent a couple. Uh, right after I think the last podcast, uh, you know, a little over a month ago, then he sent another one. Um, I guess about three days ago. So we're going to be uh, kind of going through those. So in the uh, meantime, well, I'm going to have to. I sh I wasn't prepared. <laughs> I'm. By the way, I'm actually recording the video version of this. So. I can either try to stop the uh, video, which I really don't want to do. Let's see. We want to go to... Okay, there we go. Really don't want to stop it. So uh, what I'm going to do is uh, I should be able to get those files while I'm talking right now. Oh, let's do that. There we go. Okay. Is that going to work? It worked. All right. Let's see. Uh, okay, that was on the 
7th, I believe. Okay. Yeah, well, there might have been... Hmm. Oh, I see. Okay, here we go. So he sent the... Originally, he sent, sent some on the 25th, I think. He sent three on the 25th two short ones and then one longer one and then he the rest of it uh, well, let's see he sent one on the 27th and then on the 7th well i'm going to go ahead and stop this recording and hopefully i'll i'm just going to have to if if i can't start again then i'm going to just have to uh, start another file and kind of go through some editing so oh there's a pause button okay i think i got it figured out uh, i believe we're recording again yep all right so i've got uh actually four files from uh joel and i think i may have listened to the first couple but i for completely that's been two weeks ago so I've kind of forgotten what he was talking about. So we're going to play the first one. So here is Joel. All right. So um, made it through another Thanksgiving. I hope you had a good one. It looked like to me that you weren't on the road. Um, stay safe out there, my friend. Um, so let's... Um, one of the things I want to talk about is they're talking about um, like politicization of our medical infrastructure and and monetization of it as well. Um, listening to Thursday's No Agenda here and they were talking a lot about COVID and all that stuff and how Dr. Fauci had his last press conference and He's up there touting masks and all that. And uh, it's clear to me that uh, we're done with it um, and all that. And uh, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know why he insists on being the way he is. But in any event, I did get the first two and one boost. And I have no plans on getting the rest. And the main reason I did that was in case my company uh, decided that we absolutely had to have it to have a job. So my wife was the same way. Her company, well, actually her one company didn't care because uh, she was already work at home. Uh, but then the, she actually technically has a second job, which is working with my son. And she gets paid for that. And they... Being that they take federal monies uh, for funding my wife's job, uh, they were going to cram that on, even though the only person she works for, technically she could work for others, uh, but the only one she does work for is my son, All right, who lives with us. So um, she's never gotten vaccinated. My son's never gotten vaccinated. And... Well, I don't fully buy in on a lot of the uh, hype that some, like a lot of the people that are absolutely against the COVID vaccine 
or whatever you want to call it. Um, it's clear to me now that it doesn't really work. <laughs> um, I've known several people that have been fully vaccinated and gotten it anyway. So vaccines were, are supposed to be, um, they're supposed to make sure that you don't get things. And that the vaccines that we grew up with, the measles vax and stuff like that, those actually work. Um, Let me uh, interrupt. Now, the problem with these vaccines, this the mRNA vaccines, they're not really vaccines. Uh, they're more of a, you're being genetically modified because a traditional vaccine, uh, which is we've had vaccines now for probably it's like a hundred at least 100 to 120 year old technology certainly 100 years old so the idea is you have an attenuated virus or a kind of a virus that's either you know kind of in a you know it's been compromised let's say so that it can't really infect you uh but it's intact enough that it your uh, immune system you know they inject you with the dead virus or so-called dead virus and of course, there's a debate as to whether viruses are actually alive or not because it's simply a piece of uh, DNA that's, uh, you know, kind of encapsulated in uh, lipid or fat. Uh, but in any case, they inject you with this uh, compromised virus, you know, kind of an attenuated virus is the word that they, per that they you know, that they use typically. And your immune system responds to it. And then so the theory is, and it really does work if they get it really right, uh, as with the polio vaccine, for example, or diphtheria or uh, whooping cough. And they've, you know, they took them like 13 years to develop those uh, vaccines. And as I say, they were true vaccines. Your your immune system reacts. It's able to react to this dead dead virus and you suddenly you have immunity to whatever that virus was, you know, even though the virus is non-viable. Okay, well, these mRNA vaccines, which are, you know, they portray them as, oh, this is brand new technology. Actually, it's not. It's been around for a while. They've never been able to get it to work right. And so they, you know, they, you know, so the idea is they're injecting you with uh, this mRNA and uh, it, kind of incorporates itself into your genome so you're being genetically modified to produce this spike protein and then the idea is that your, the, your immune system is going to react to the spike protein. So instead of injecting you with an attenuated uh, virus like they should, they've injected you, to, uh, you know, they've genetically, they've given you gene therapy, whether you like it or not, you know, and they're called, oh, it's an MRA, M mRNA vaccine. You've actually been genetically modified to produce uh, spike protein. And then uh, your immune system uh, is supposedly going to attack the spike protein. And then that's going to give you, uh, you know, some immunity to the virus, which it, Obviously, it doesn't doesn't work because it, they're admitting now that uh, if you've had the vaccine and all the boosters, it, you know that you're probably statistically now you're more likely to get COVID multiple times. You know, so I knew from the outset. My gut told me, "Hey, 
don't touch this with a 10-foot pole, and I didn't. And I know some people think, well, it's because you're conservative and the narrative is that conservatives are against vaccines and, you know, anti-vax. We're going to call you anti-vax to try to, you know, and, of course, people do that to try to get you to emotionally react. Uh, And then, of course, on their side, they can, you know, somebody that's throwing around a term like anti-vax they've got an emotion, their own emotion is attached to it. And so then that, you know, that uh, emotion uh, subverts their ability or necessity to uh, reason. You know, reason goes out the window. When emotions are around, reason goes out the window. By the way, the same thing happens, you know, people that claim, oh, I, you know, follow the science. I'm, I want to be scientific. Follow the science. They've got an emotional uh, attachment just to the word science or maybe to the concept of science, whatever that is, and they think they're scientific and uh, they're smarter than everybody else because they're, they're believing in the science and the evidence, show them the evidence or whatever. But uh, they've got an attachment to that. And so, you know, if the, someone claims to be a scientist and everybody, you know, like Dr. Fauci, oh, he's a scientist. He's, you know, he's got all these, uh, you know, he's got a doctor before his name and, you know, he's got all this education or whatever. So therefore he knows what he's talking about. And uh, then they kind of, uh, you know, Fauci good, have a Fauci good type of uh, emotion and, uh, you know, or the people that are pro-vaccine, they have, you know, and so in this case, and so then they, they're claiming that they're scientific when in fact they're not because, uh, you know, the essence of science is skepticism, you know, but when it comes to uh, something like this mRNA vaccine, it's like that all goes out the window. So, but, you know, and then the other problem with the vaccines, there's a lot of people now that we're having these so-called ad- sudden adult uh, deaths, sudden, you know, like instead of SIDS, you have uh, SADS, sudden adult, sudden adult death syndrome, and you've got people that are just dropping dead, you know, and especially, you know, people, let's say people in their 20s and 30s, uh, you know, maybe in their 40s, you know, it can be all the age spectrum, but it's particularly young people. Uh, they're just suddenly dropping. Oh, they had a heart attack. They died. Not too bad. Maybe in some cases, if you know, if they're fortunate, somebody's around to resuscitate them. So a number of them have been resuscitated. But there's there's plenty of people that just suddenly drop dead. You know, for no no apparent reason, and it it just miraculously uh, happened right when the virus was introduced. You know and. Uh, you know, so why why did that suddenly start happening when the virus, when the uh, not the virus, but the vaccine? Why why did that suddenly just start happening? It wasn't a problem before, and now all of a sudden it's a problem. So, you know, figure it out yourself. You know, or hide behind the word science, your choice. So, uh, but in any case, I said gut told me don't touch that with a ten foot pole, and I didn't. You know, and of course, back in August, I got COVID. And the reason I know I got COVID is because I, for like four or five days, I lost my sense of smell. And then the sense of smell came back and uh, got over it. Everything's hunky-dory and, you know, back perfectly back to normal. And uh, that was that. 
And I, you know, is, could I get it again? I guess I could if there's some other variation of it, but, uh, so far so good. And, uh, you know, that's that. So I stand by, you know, I was really willing to, if it came to the point where I was told that I had to either get the vaccine or lose my job, I would have just said, sayonara, where you want the truck parked at? That would have been the end of that. Because I will not take those vaccines. Uh, you know, the mRNA vaccines are dangerous. They've never really been proven to work. A real vaccine should, you know, takes, you know, at least a decade or more to develop because you've got to test it and get it right. This stuff was just thrown out there and they, they, kept, they kept repeating the phrase safe and effective, safe and effective, safe and effective. And, of course, people have emotions that are attached to those words and you uh, say that long enough and, and the people that are vulnerable to words like that, uh, you know, have positive feelings that are attached to that and then they, they think, but of course they think they're being scientific and, and full of reason and what have you and they're not. That's just a rationalization. It becomes rationalization and that's impenetrable, you know. So, but in any case, uh, you know, I won't take the vaccines. I'm not going to take any. You know, of course, they've got a whole line of vaccines for other things that they want to start just, you know, and the pharmaceuticals are making billions of dollars and they want to just inject us with all kinds of things and experiment on us. As they look at the, you know, the general population is just a bunch of smart cows or, you know, or lab rats kind of human lab rats and they don't care you know if you die oh well you're just uh part of the experiment that went wrong so you know i'm sorry i'm not going to do that I'm not going to play the game you know so but uh in any case i just absolutely uh you know not going to do it and uh you know they're still trying to kind of push it or whatever you know, but I, I'd say most people are done with it. You still see a few people that are running around with masks, you know, like my mother, you know, she, she kind of still sort of believes that it's protecting her and, you know, and, you know, whatever. I'm not going to, you know, argue with her one way or the other. Uh, I've told, you know, I've told her that, the, you know, the masks don't work and that the virus, those virus particles are just unbelievably uh, tiny. You know, and a mask is trying, you know, like one of those typical masks, uh, unless you've got the N95 mask, the typical mask is, you know, trying to stop a uh, sandstorm with a chain link fence. You know, it's a good analogy. So those those viruses are incredibly tiny, and, uh, you know, a mask isn't going to stop it. You know, especially if they're, you know, constantly pulling the thing down so that, you know, because you can't, Nobody can hear what they're saying. <laughs> so, but it's just, you know, it's kind of theater of the absurd. It's more, of, it's more of an emotional thing, I think, than anything else. So, anyway, let's see, I don't want that. I've got a thing that popped up that's trying to get me to do an update, and I don't want to do an update right now, not while I'm recording. So, but anyway, back to Joel. And that, that's kind of probably the most frustrating thing with that is that those work, but um, 
this is going to drive a lot more. And I have, I have uh, friends that uh, used to go to my church now, go to another church. Um, and they uh, have not gotten their kids vaccinated for anything. And there is that kind of a movement. All right. Because from the time that I was born to now, it's clear to me that there really is no actual work on curing things. It's more work on how do we make money and how do we make our stockholders rich? Um, because if it, if it was truly about cures, then cancer would have been cured by now. Okay, and I know cancer, a, oh. that's probably one of the harder things I'm talking about there, but the, the other thing that I think the main reason why, you know, you used to be, you know, back before COVID, there was, oh, there's this bug going around, everyone's getting it, you'll get it and you'll be fine. COVID changed that, in that there were actually people that were dying, uh, mostly old people. <laughs> you know, um, same thing, RSV has been around for a long, long time. And there's a lot of talk about RSV now. I've had friends who had babies that had gotten it, and they had a real tough time with it, but then they got over it. Okay. Babies are more at risk from RSV than others because their immune system is being built up. And I have a pretty good theory of this. Um, as we just got through Thanksgiving, one of the things you know we always did was stuff the turkey. Now, if you look at a lot of stories talking about pre- you know preparing your holiday bird, they don't recommend stuffing it anymore. Why? I don't know. I've eaten stuff stuffing that were stu- was stuffed in a bird for years and years and years and years. Never had a problem with it. And then Purell came out. Purell, Purell, Purell. Everything was, you know, you know, wash your hands, use Purell, anti-germs, all this stuff. And my theory here is that over the years, of generation after generation of kids using um, Purell and basically being anti-germ, our immune systems are starting to fail because of that because now that stuff is it's preventing our bodies getting used to the things that we used to be exposed to there's some adage to that where you know when i was a kid i drank out of the garden hose i played in the dirt i probably ate dirt at some sort at some point in my life my hands got dirty every single day, you know, and they don't anymore because, you know, I'm an adult and I generally you know, work in an office and and uh, I'm pretty sheltered when you really think about it. Um, I've gone through all this COVID period, never actually even got much more than an ear infection and some sinus stuff, and that was it. <laughs> so... I think there's more to this. Maybe 
those in power are trying to control population or do something like I don't know. There's a lot of theories I have because right now I can't trust some of the scientists that I actually know unless it's a hard science like, like for example the rockets NASA NASA I generally trust um, for the most part you know it, by the way Artemis one is awe inspiring and it's going to be amazing if Artemis 2 is a success so but uh because I just don't think nowadays I think science is starting to slow down a little bit because there's you know, you got the media who are being huge participants in this, who are just saying basically all is the same thing. You know, my favorite, one of my favorite segments on on No Agenda is when uh, uh, production pr- producers send uh, Adam and and John uh, recordings that they got off their TV of of the media literally saying the same thing on multiple channels. Activism and media, or journalism, I should say, should never mix. That's why I'm not really a fan of any of them, because even Fox News, who I tend to agree with more, is not telling the truth. So, anywho, that's what I wanted to say about Zadia, and hopefully you had a great Thanksgiving. I'm thankful for your show when you do produce them, and I don't like. That's the other thing too that I notice is when we get to the holiday season. Um, now I, on my living in the shade of an '80s arcade show, uh, my last show for the year has already been out, and I said I'm not producing anymore, and I'm probably not going to post anymore because people have things to do, and I have things to do. So, anyway. Hope you had a great one. We'll talk at you later. Okay, thank you, Joel. So that was the end of the file there. About halfway through, I got fooled into thinking that it was, uh, he paused for a little while, and I thought, oh, that's the end, but it wasn't. So, yeah, I think science, science, quote-unquote, you know, air quotes, if I can get my fingers in there, science, in the video, uh, has been damaged, particularly the medical thing, uh, public trust in what, you know, the government is, is probably at an all-time low. You know, so I just, you know, you just really have to rely on yourself. As, as the, that's the bottom line. You know, you can't just, you know, kind of follow some set of, you know, like a prescribed set of rules and you're going to end up with a, you know, kind of a, happy life or whatever it doesn't work that way you know really at the end of the day you have to you know kind of use your own internal bs detector you know and determine what's wrong and what's right and uh so i've like i say i've shut all of that stuff off you know i read a few headlines here and there but i've turned it all off and uh, I certainly, you know, even, you know, even the Ukraine stuff and what have you, I, you know, I do not uh, become emotionally involved with it one way or the other. It's just, that's just, I've just determined that's all off limits when it comes to emotions. And uh, 
the type of stuff that I tend to watch, uh, you know, is, you know, uh, is stuff that's completely logical, like uh, you know, remodeling a house, or, or uh, you know, even though I, you know, not ever going to do it myself, you know, I've been watching a lot of. Uh, HVAC videos, you know, where these people are doing troubleshooting or car, even car repair videos. You know, it's it's interesting uh, to watch them, you know, kind of take things apart and kind of, you know, you know, or tr do the troubleshooting and then take things apart, you know, kind of put them back together again and make it work, you know, kind of solve the problem. <clears throat> you know, the same way with the house remodeling or, you know, and all of that, uh, they're solving problems. And, you know, I love that kind of stuff. And it's perfectly logical, you know. So, versus this ideology that they're trying to push, you know. And, of course, it's always, you know, we're going to push our, you know, this woke ideology on you and uh, we're going to just cram it down your throat. And they really do believe that if they can just force everyone to think the way they do, that uh, we're going to have some kind of utopia is going to happen. And it's ridiculous it's exactly the opposite that's how you end up with hell so anyway uh, we've got uh, some more files from Joel here let me move that out of the way so this is a there's a couple of shorter ones and then another longer one so here's uh, the next one in line hey Tom it's Joel again I thought I'd say hi and uh want to let you know uh know some things um we have um a 2022 trailblazer that we bought and this is kind of one of the things really it's kind of two things here um but anyway monday and you probably saw the pictures on facebook of of it up on the uh tow truck but uh Monday, my son's car, uh, they were out and about Monday, and they stopped to go into a thrift store for a little bit. They come back out, couldn't start the car. I throw, you know, I was in, the, in at home getting stuff ready for Thanksgiving, and I... Um, threw some clothes on, met them over there. I couldn't get to start either. So I call first. Uh, I have OnStar um, that I pay for. I'll still pay for it even without this tale of woe. <laughs> but OnStar said, okay, we'll send you a tow truck, all right, and it'll need dollies probably because he had the parking brake on. We couldn't get the dang thing to start. So Monday and Tuesday was spent mostly dealing with just getting that thing over to the garage. <laughs> so it got to the garage. And then uh, sat there probably most, well, latter half of Tuesday, Wednesday, and of course Thursday since they were closed for Thanksgiving. And then Friday uh, they worked on, started actually finally started the work on it. And then we were able to get it back on Saturday. We did get a rental car because it's impossible for our family to fun function with just one vehicle, um, at least now in this point in our, our lives. <laughs> um, 
But it wound up being something I never really would have thought, because I'm like, how do they just go bad? But apparently both key fobs went bad. And since the 2022 Trailblazer has push-button start, doesn't have a mechanical key, you know, um, we couldn't, it wouldn't, was not startled. Now, the only thing I'm questioning here is OnStar also will give you some vehicle diagnostics now, and the batteries said it was low. So, anywho, um, that's fixed. But then I started reading up a little bit more on, uh, I guess, Apple. You probably may have heard it. They're talking about allowing you, and it's only if your state supports it, of course, and right now Ohio doesn't. I kind of hope they don't. People are thinking it's a great idea to put your driver's license on your phone. And uh, I know most of what's the text that's on the actual physical driver's license isn't necessarily, I mean, it's not necessarily something you want out, um, but it's also not really private information, you know, as long as you don't have, like, your uh, social security number on it, which Ohio used to do. They used to put your SSN on the license. Yeah, when I was younger, I didn't really think about it as much. Now I think about this kind of stuff a lot. I'm just thinking of the privacy implications. I'm not going to do the digital driver's license until they make me do it at this point. Because um, I just think it's a horrible idea. I mean, it's bad. You know, because when you get pulled over, what are you going to do? Hand your phone to the cop? No. I'm more concerned that I'd have to hand an unlocked phone to the cop. <laughs> So he can just start looking through my phone, and I'm, that's no, <laughs> it's not happening. You know, I, I mean, maybe you know, I guess it, if it can be done where you basically have them scan it and then they have it, that might work. But I still don't think it's a great idea because what happens if if um. You didn't have your phone plugged in, and and and, and uh, your phone died. You know what? What? What then? You know, I just think there's too many um, privacy implications uh, for that, and I just not ha- not a fan of that. But I'm gonna go back and listen to your last. I was listening to it, and I just thought about these things. I thought about um, your opinion on some of those. Okay, well, thank you, Joel. Yeah, that. Yeah, I think it's a bad idea to you know to try to have the you know these different things on your phone. Um, you know, and again, it's for the you know the reasons you mentioned. You know, because what if what if the battery dies? What if uh, you know? Do you really want to hand your phone to the to a cop? Uh, you know, so you're better off if you just got a paper. So I don't know of any state that's really forced the digital license thing, but some states have allowed it. Uh, now Arkansas used to do the social security number, and I probably a number of other states. And so a number of years ago, they you know, and they probably all the states did it at the same time. They got rid of the social security number as the driver's license number and went to uh, 
you know, a, a separate number. So the Social Security number is no longer on the driver's license number or on the driver's license itself. So, but, uh, you know, it's the state, you know, they, I think we should just stick with physical documents, you know, and be done with it. That's worked all this time and it'll continue to work. So, you know, maybe in a pinch you can prove that you've got insurance or whatever. You got your, you know, you got your insurance card. Maybe you could email it. Now, one way you could email it without handing the phone to the cop. Maybe you could email it to him, you know, or something, you know, push a button and it gets sent to wherever. But, uh, and they should, you know, they should be able to look you up. But, uh, so... I don't know. I, I I think we should just stick with the system that we have. If you know, and you can say, well, it's inefficient or whatever. Well, so what? You know, it works. So anyway, we've got more files from Joel. So uh, let's go to the next one. This is going to be even. This is a shorter one. Hey man, hope you're doing okay, man. I saw your dinner or. Me first meal for this morning. That looked pretty, pretty dang good. Uh, I'd love to be able to do that kind of stuff in the morning, but I just don't have time to eat something um, that that uh, nice in the morning. Usually, it's something out of the microwave if I eat it all, or just coffee. But just thought I'd say hey, and uh, I want to send you a link to. I mean, I don't know how much of the a uh, fan of Bluetooth earbuds you are, but a friend of mine owns uh, the Iowa brand. Uh, Iowa was a AIWA back in the 80s. They they actually made products. You probably own one or two. Uh, but they uh, stopped bringing products to the United States, and he actually bought the right to use the got the right to use the name. And uh, now they just make Bluetooth stuff, a speaker and uh, headphones. Uh, but he's selling several. He has a bunch of extras, and he's selling them. Uh, normally they're like fifty bucks or so, but he's selling them for twenty six ninety nine. So it's it's a definitely they're definitely worth it. They're comfortable to me, and uh, I like them. Good battery life. Okay, well, thank you, Joel. So I clicked on the link, and uh, let's see. Can I get the link to pop up in the video? Let's see. Yeah, I should be able to, because if I bring this up, I believe there you should be looking. If you're watching the video, you're seeing the website. It's an eBay uh, so AWA Progeny Air Max Bluetooth uh, earbuds, one-year warranty. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, so right now what I, I don't know, I have some Samsung earbuds. And I've, you know, and like right now I'm using, uh, you know, some wired ones. You know, like as I record this on this setup that I have here at home, I'm using some wired earbuds. And uh, 
I have bought, you know, for like 25 bucks, I bought some earbuds out of a truck stop that were wireless. And, they, you know, the problem with them, you know, they last for maybe about two and a half hours and then, the, you know, no battery. The Samsung ones will go for maybe about four, <coughs> excuse me, about four to five hours and then the batteries die and then you put them back in the case. So I'm not a big fan of uh, battery operated earbuds. You know, yeah, you can use them for short periods of time, but really you're better off with uh, something that's got a better battery. And so I uh, will either use wired, you know, like a wired headset. Of course, I have an adapter for my uh, phone. So I use the wired headset and then... Uh, but otherwise I have some... Uh, Full, you know, it's like full ear cover uh, headset type thing that I bought at Walmart that I, you know, and it's actually got fantastic battery life. It's Bluetooth. You plug it in and it goes for like 50 hours or something like that. It goes for a good long time. I can go several days of listening, you know, to if, you know, whether I'm listening to audiobooks as I'm driving the truck or some podcasts or I'll listen to YouTube, the audio for YouTube, listenable, listenable YouTube videos and, of course, turn the screen off. So I spend a great deal of time listening with those. Uh, it's, you know, it's like a wireless headset, but it's Bluetooth, and uh, I think they were, it was like 50 bucks, uh, and those work really well, but they've got a great battery life. Of course, they're bigger. So, you know, I don't know the earbuds. Uh, I know it's it's great to be able to not have wires, but uh, at the same time, the battery life issue it can kind of be a problem if you're you know if you're just listening in short little bursts, then not so much. But uh, if you've got uh, really extended listening times, then it it kind of becomes a problem, you know, because the batteries run down. <clears throat> and then you got to charge them again. So anyway, thank you for the link. Uh, so and there's one more file here from Joel, and this was about ten minutes long. So once again, here is Joel. I think is it going to play? Let's try that again. Hmm, it's not going to play. It said well, they were going to open oh, at one. Oh, there it is. I'm like, okay. Let's go back. So it, there's the first. I'm into <clears throat> moving the file. It's I'm in two minutes into the file, and then uh, the audio should come be coming in here pretty quick. So we'll just have to. I'm going to just keep talking until the audio pops in. But for some reason, uh, the first portion of the file uh, there's no audio which is kind of interesting. Don't know why that happened, but, you know, Boxer obviously isn't perfect either. So we're still, we're almost to three minutes. Uh, the audio should be popping in here. Let's keep going. <laughs> this makes for really interesting listening, doesn't the, it? The uh, park was due to open. It said they were going to open at one, which I'm like, okay. You know, we can do that. You know, my 
not get to see the lights, but at least we can still walk around and do some shopping and mess around, maybe eat. And then we get there, and there's a whole line of traffic going in. They said, we're closed. And I'm like, now, keep in mind, this is almost a full 24 hours before some of this stuff started, okay? The roads were wet. <laughs> there was, was so much water on the roads, it actually rinsed off a lot of the salt that was on the back of my car from my drive down. Um, so, and he said, in an abundance of caution, and not to mention the fact that he said, that they were still experiencing below freezing temperatures. They weren't. It was in the 40s. So my question here is, are we the Americans who used to be the risk takers? I mean, that's how our country started. We were risk takers. If we, if we were a British colony now and we chose to do the same thing, we would probably be called uh, traitors, <laughs> you know, um, by some of the other colonists living here. But, you know, fortunately, we weren't like that back then. I don't think that our country is willing to take risks uh, as, a, as a culture anymore. Uh, we're risk averse. And we're afraid to do things if we're not in a safe bubble <laughs> so um you know to me i'm like well wh why can't you just you know i'm sure that there will be see the thing is you know like some of the people will like oh but what about the employees all right they like to make money right you know i don't know about you but when i was younger a lot younger um i would purposefully risk you know do that like if somebody said Hey, I know the weather's nasty, but can you come into work? I'd be like, yeah. In fact, I was on the team. I was always in, I've been in IT since the 90s, okay? Um, and I was on a team that we all had cards that the college had printed up that said that we could drive during what, what Ohio would call a level three snow emergency. And, the uh, park was due to open, it said they were going to open at 1, which I'm like, okay, you know, we can do that. You know, might not get to see the lights, but at least we can still walk around and do some shopping and mess around, maybe eat. And then we get there, and there's a whole line of traffic going in, and they said, we're closed. And I'm like, now, keep in mind, this is almost a full 24 hours before some of this stuff started, okay? The roads were... Okay, it sounds like uh, <clears throat> that happens sometimes. Boxer will actually repeat the file, and I'll scrub it forward here in a bit and see if there's more, something different besides that. But it sounds like it it's actually repeating, so something went, obviously went wrong with the... When it you know when it saved the files of the server, <clears throat> but I think we get the gist of it. Uh, so, but you know you have the 
either security, you know, there's always you trade your freedom for security. You know, and that's the, you know, people want security, but they, you know, in order to get the illusion of security, and it's not really security, but in order to get the illusion of security, you trade your freedom for it. You know, someone, you kind of become someone else's slave. You know, you go back to the, to the, uh, beginning of you know the the beginning of the jewish jewish people and they were in bondage you know exodus they were in bondage uh, in in uh egypt you know they were slaves in other words in egypt and uh you know and uh, so then they you know but part of them wanted you know even after the you know moses came along and got them you know they crossed the red sea or whatever you know, there's some of them after the fact, you know, of course, they crossed the Red Sea and they went into some, they went into the desert and they were in the desert, you know, 40 years. You know, a lot of them were grumbling, you know, that they, you know, they'd have been better off just being back in Egypt as slaves. You know, they, they kind of missed their slavery, the, the security of the slavery. You know, so people, you know, will trade their, the, you know, for the illusion of security, you'll, you know, people are willing to, you know, some people anyway, are willing to trade their freedom uh, for uh, security. And that, that perfectly, that goes back to this uh, vaccine thing. You know, people think, oh, I'm going to be safe. I'm going to take the vaccine. It's going to, you know, I'm not going to be as sick if I catch COVID. And, uh you know, so I'm going to be safe. Well, in the meantime, you've been genetically modified. Did you did you know that? You happy being genetically modified? You know what what kind of a, an effect is that going to have on your you know because you're not you know you may not you may have survived the genetic modification so far, but what's the long term effects of it? Do you know? No, you don't. You like being genetically you know you're a GMO. You're a genetically modified organism. You know, but you got your your illusion of security that wasn't real. You know, and the thing, you know, the, the Exodus story is a really excellent uh, example. Uh, now, I probably mentioned this before. I subscribe to the Daily Wire. Uh, website, you know, of course, it's an ad, there's an app version of it as well. But <clears throat> and the reason that I did is because Jordan Peterson's on there, and uh, so they've got uh, a lot of his material is behind the paywall. And of course, there's some of it that they make available on YouTube. They they, they you know kind of slice and dice it and put it up on YouTube. So a, a good chunk of it's available on YouTube. But then there's uh, some of the really good stuff is also behind the paywall on Daily Wire. And it's not that expensive. I forget what it is, but I, it's well worth it. So today I watched the, you know, the he's doing this. He did this series uh, where he was kind of a, he had, uh, it was Jordan Peterson and then six other people talking about the book of Ex Exodus. You know, so they sort of read through Exodus and then, uh, or at least the first part of it, and then, 
you know, and there's like this is like a seven part thing, you know. So this first part of it was like a good two, two two and a half hours of video where they're they're all kind of talking about this as he, you know, you read a few phrases and then have a discussion about it. And you know, I think one of the interesting things is that you may think, well, I'm just happy with myself. I'm a happy slave. I'm just going to be a happy slave and, uh, you know, not, uh, don't, don't rock the boat, just be a happy slave. Well, the problem with that is that you may get kicked out into the desert anyway. Whether you like it or not, you may at some point, you know, you may get kicked into the desert. And are you going to, are you going to be prepared for it? You know, shouldn't you voluntarily uh, start, you know, looking to, uh, you know, for, you know, potentially, you know, being thrust into the desert? I think you should kind of voluntarily uh, begin looking at it, and at least you're you're kind of mentally prepared for it. But there is a good chance that uh, even if you, you know, like I say, you know, you 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 think you're just not going to rock the boat, and you're just going to be a happy slave and just go on, and you're they're going to ignore you. Well, there's a good chance that uh, you know things could fall apart, and you could end up finding yourself in the desert. You know what happens if society collapses? You know, like a lot of people predict. Now, I don't know. I don't think it's going to collapse. It, you know, it, it's not. It's not that it couldn't completely collapse, but usually what happens is that it collapses in stages. And there's, you know, as I've long said, uh, there's parts of our society that are in continual collapse. You go to inner cities, you know, go to any big inner city and you've got a, a state of partial collapse that's been going on for years. You know, so it there's always stages of it, but you know, is it gonna? Is the the disease gonna reach you? You know, is is your part of the your part of the existence subject to collapse? Well, it could be. You know, so are you prepared for that? That's a, that's the question. So at any point, any of us could you know kind of suddenly find ourselves in the desert. You know, wandering around for you know the you know. You know, forty years. <laughs> you know, of course, that's a. Uh, you know, who's to say how long you could be in the desert? But uh, you could end up in the desert. You know, it happens to people all the time. You know, they people have all these wonderful plans, and you know, or they think they've you know, think they that they've got security when in fact they really don't. You know, and they've they've traded. You know, they kind of enslaved themselves for security. So, anyway, uh, I'm gonna scrub this file forward and see if there's more that Joel talked about that uh, we haven't already heard. So technically, I guess I would be considered essential personnel. At least I was at the time. All right. A different world now. Um, you know, now. Okay. Yeah, we only... heard that part did a conventional war on us didn't maybe not do something like like they did on 9-11 but just had a conventional invasion of like say mexico decided they're tired of losing their people to our country we're gonna put a blockade on the border and you know 
which <laughs> America would be like, hey, that's just fine. <laughs> but, uh, you know, but or whatever, you know, it doesn't really matter. You know, but, you know, would we be able to defend it? You know, I go back into a news story I heard last week about uh, they're no in the Marines. They're no longer supposed to use the words sir or ma'am when addressing the drill sergeant or or whoever, you know, their superior leader, you know, be it a non-commissioned officer or or a you know, one who's gone through the academy and all that, you know. So, they tell me, you know, what, what's so, they, they don't want to misgender people. I'm like, in war, do you really worry about gender or do you worry about winning the battle? Why are we worried about that when preparing our, our Marines and soldiers for war? You know, I'm really, I'm really getting concerned about this country. I really am. I don't think, I don't think it's dying. I think we have quite a few years left. I might, it might still exist when I'm, uh, gone long and gone. But I'm not so sure about my son. You know, it's kind of sad. But sorry for leaving a podcast for you. <laughs> but it's just a. Uh, some observations I thought you might find interesting just because uh, I know uh, especially with you being a trucker you've probably drove in snow covered roadways and stuff just to get your job done so anywho hope you had a wonderful holiday I enjoyed the pictures of uh, your mom Eleanor and your dad Roy Um, I'm glad they're still among the living so that you can have Christmas with them and take care. Happy New Year. Okay, well, thank you, Joel. Happy New Year to you and everyone else that's listening. Uh, yep, Mom now, or Dad just turned 89, His birth, you know, and then Mom, uh, tomorrow will be turning, or on January the 2nd, will be turning uh, 98, which is hard to believe. You know, that's just, that's amazing. <laughs> Who would have thought? Uh, but, so, yeah, uh, I don't know. I think the problem is people have been, you know, kind of going back to the previous topic, people have been spoiled. They've been spoiling their kids. They haven't taught them how to work. They haven't given, you know, given them any kind of practical, you know, they, you know, all the practical stuff's kind of been taken out of the schools. There used to be shop and like woodworking and that type of thing. And I think all that's been removed from the schools and they've, they're trying to get everybody to do all this, you know, the kind of the abstract stuff. And, uh, you know, the, the problem is that uh, you need the practical stuff. The practical stuff is really, you know, the abstract stuff. Yeah, you got to be able to abstract. Some people can do it better than others, but that doesn't mean that everybody can, you know, be the person that's just sitting around thinking about abstract things uh, because, you know, there's a lot of it that's practical. Got to be able to do the practical stuff. You know, you, you, you know, you're a physical creature in a physical world. 
and that has really severely practical implications. You know, so uh, you know, at the end of the day, you have to uh, you know kind of be responsible for yourself. You know, and and you know come up with. And, you know, the other thing, you know, people come up, they want, you know, they're teaching them, they're teaching them how, well, you should be concerned about the environment, you know, this nebulous thing called the environment, you know, and uh, so you get the idiots like the Extinction Rebellion people, uh, you know, that are gluing themselves to roadways and what have you, uh, which is just, I'd run over them. (laughs) Of course, you'd end up in jail or whatever, but, uh, you know... It's ridiculous. Uh, but that's not practical. That's not, does that make the world a better place? You know, gluing yourself to a roadway or whatever, does that make, does that make the world, or just, you know, spray painting some priceless painting, does that make the world a better place? No. You know, oh, where I'm calling attention to it. No, it's not making the world a better place. The way you make the world a better place, you know, if you want to do something, you know, find something specific that you can improve. Make some specific improvement. You know, target, you know, something where you can actually improve the world instead of, uh, you know, these these silly, nebulous, uh, meaningless uh, goals that, you know, don't amount to a hill of beans, you know, but then they get, they're able to get all emotional about it. And then it doesn't matter whether it's practical or not, you know, because reason goes, reason has been canceled. You know, and probably with half of the population, the the ability to reason has been canceled. And it's been canceled by emotions. And that's what continues to keep it canceled. One thing, if you take the, the emotionalization away, if you can take the emotionalization away... It, it wears, you know, the the kind of the hypnosis of it wears off, you know, and reason sort of begins to intrude. And, of course, that's the last thing that some people want. But, uh, you know, and at some, you know, at some point it may come along, like I say, you know, you could find yourself in the, in, in the desert, you know. Whether you wanted to be in the desert or not, you can find yourself there. You know, because you've got this illusion of a secure world. Well, it's actually pretty fragile. You know, your security is an illusion. You know, and so, but it's up to us as kind of individuals to, you know, be prepared. Doesn't mean that, you know, it's going to happen, but uh, you need to be prepared. So... And you need to be able to rely on yourself. And, and the way you do that, the best way to do it, uh, you know, among other things, you've got to be able to live with yourself, to be conscious. Uh, you, go, you know, going back to the beginning of the podcast where I was talking about uh, if you really want to be able to be, you know, kind of quote-unquote happy or, you know, have a kind of a joyful existence, uh that doesn't mean that you're all excited about eating your ice cream or whatever, but it means that you have to be able to uh, simply sit and be conscious. Just, you know, exercise your ability to be conscious, and that means not being lost in thought, but just being conscious. 
So, anyhow, better be cutting this off. Uh, how long have we been going? For about an hour and 47 minutes, so it's kind of stretching out a little bit. Anyhow, hope everyone uh, has had a great weekend or is having a great weekend. <coughs> hope you know. Hope you have have a <coughs> happy new year. So I will catch you later. Whoops. Remember, Trucker Tom is like Visa. He's everywhere you want to be. Product reviews, restaurant reviews, photos, opinions, and more. Visit Trucker Tom's website at www.truckerphoto.com. You've been listening to Trucker Tom's podcast, and we'd love to hear what you have to say. All you have to do is send us an email to tom at truckerphoto.com.